We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9am. Seriously guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I could not be more thrilled uh, to be talking with my special guest today. He is a NFL staff writer for The Ringer. You can find him on The Ringer NFL show over on Spotify. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. He wrote an absolutely fantastic piece on the Packers. The title was, Are the Packers Issues About Scheme or Talent? Yes, it is an absolute must read, but I could not be, like I said, more happy to be talking to him today. Ben Solak, how the heck are you doing? 
Doing well, man. Life's good. Football's going. I, the last six pieces I've written have been like, so what's going on with the Rams? So what's going on with the Bengals? So what's going on with the Packers? It's just one of those years in the NFL where everybody's got something. Yeah, McVay, uh, Taylor, and Lafleur all kind of from the same. Uh, yeah, you know, they're all washed. Bit. We're moving yeah, on. Exactly. We're post Shanahan. It's past Shanahan system. It's all going into the garbage. Everything else is taking over. Uh, no, uh, first of all, I, I want to say to you, I've been a huge fan of your work for an extremely long time, and there are a precious few amount of people who a have the extreme, unbelievable knowledge of football in the NFL, and b can talk about it to an audience that is either a hardcore football audience or like somebody who's just coming into football and you can marry those things incredibly well. Like I said, I've been a huge fan of your writing, a huge fan of your podcasts and uh, super excited to pick your brain on the Packers today. That's really sweet. I appreciate that. I, it's funny because like, oh, you know, knowledge of the game and whatever. And meanwhile, the entire time I'm writing the article, I'm like DMing Stephen Rees and Nate Tice. And I'm like, was this, was this, what's going on here? You know, it's just like, we're all idiots. And so you just ask enough questions to then get the information to the next idiot. And then hopefully eventually we all kind of know something about football. So it's, uh, it takes a village sort of a thing. It really does. We all have our people that we trust when we see something where we're like, I think I know what I'm talking about here, but I really want to get a second pair of eyes. But I have a feeling you are probably on the one that more people are going to than the other way around. But we got to get into this article because it's a fantastic mm -hmm. article. And I think sometimes for myself, who's obviously covering the Packers literally 365 days a year, uh, we can see the trees, but sometimes we lose track of the forest. And you obviously have a pulse of everything on the NFL. So it's really fun to kind of pick your brain and like I said, I thought you had a tremendous pulse of everything that's going on with the Packers in this article. But I want to start on the defensive side of things, which is what you did as well. Um, and you kind of came to the conclusion that the Packers have the players, but don't exactly have the scheme, which I think is a popular take right now. But what were some of your key observations in kind of coming to that conclusion? Yeah. And, you know, uh, when I made those headlines, actually, because I did like defense, they have the players, not the scheme. And then offense, they have the scheme, not the players. I literally ran it by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Company. And I was like, Best. hey, this is a this is a simplification, but is this okay? And he was like, yeah, probably. Because there there's color on both sides. Uh, like Devondre Campbell, who played like he was an all-pro in 2021, and the Packers paid him because he was playing well. And you're kind of like, all right, well, Devondre Campbell had his one all-pro year last year. He's probably not going to be as good in 2022. He's not playing as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't think he's playing poorly, but he's not playing as well. Uh, you know, you're Rashawn Gary, your top 15 pick. He's dominating a pass rush win, win rate. Like, oh, great pass rusher. Run defense-wise, Rashawn's maybe not what you want him to be. You know, so, so there, there are player issues that you have. But overall, with the amount of investment, seven ex-first-round picks on the roster, all young guys, all homegrown guys, right? I know Laquan Treadwell's out here. These are guys the Packers wanted. Plus your veterans and guys like Devondre Campbell and Adrian Amos and Rasul Douglas. Man, it's, it's talented. Uh, uh, defense. There's a talented roster on that side of the ball. So what is our, what's our issue here? When you turn on the, fil the film, it's an issue of ed execution. And some defenses struggle to execute because they don't have the horses. It's not the case with the Packers. They're struggling mm -hmm. to execute because they're confused. They're disoriented. They're miscommunicating. I feel like every time, I, I, every game I turn on, there's at least one rep where Darnell Savage ends it turning around and screaming at somebody, right? They have just not been able to figure out how to get routes across the field to the correct players. Who's fallen off. Who's stepping to a new guy. Like, they haven't gotten it right through five weeks. That Justin Jefferson game, you kind of watch, you're like, okay, well, it's just this was not good from the Packers, but it's week one. They don't really play in the preseason, right? The Vikings kind of play hide and seek with Justin Jefferson. This will go away. And it's just not. I mean, they're losing Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, we got problems in, in terms of our communication in the back oh. seven. It can get better. Uh, you know, I think as Quay gets more comfortable, you'll be all right. 
Rasul playing the nickel instead of outside. Like that's different vision. It's different keys. It's a different position. So you'll guys get more comfortable there, but there's an easier solution than just like waiting for the execution to get better, waiting for the communication to improve. Play man. You got Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Russell Douglas. Put them on the line. It, 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 10, 20 NFL coordinators would kill to get three corners of this caliber so they could just play man coverage and stop worrying about all this. But that's not what Joe Barry wants to do. And there has to be a bit of a reckoning with what Joe Barry wants to do versus what the defense has been through five weeks. Because it's a little bit of ramming your head into a wall here at this point. Like If you look like this in week six and in week seven against the Jets in Washington, okay, maybe you still escape to the wind. You get Detroit, you get Philly, you get some other good NFC team. I can't remember. The schedule gets good. The schedule gets tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets difficult after these next upcoming weeks. And so you have to do a risk assessment here and say, okay, do we really want to see if we can get good enough at like passing roots off in quarters, which is not even like the best way to play football in general, or do we want to have a paradigm shift and say, let's just get our best guys against their best guys and be confident that this defense we've invested so much in is talented enough to win. There's so much that I want to unpack here. And first of all, from a, uh, a scheme standpoint, it doesn't feel like they're doing a great job of marrying the players that they have with the scheme that they want to run. And like you said, there has to be a reconciliation there uh, between, all right, are we getting the wrong players for this scheme? Or are we not running the right scheme for our players? You're not finding new players now. So it would seem like the thing that you've got to do is obviously change up the scheme a little bit. And I definitely think too, from a, a man standpoint, they've got the guys to do that. And I know in today's yep. NFL, you can't, it's really difficult to run a primarily man scheme, but like they need to be running it more. I thought one of the things that you pointed out in the article and certainly has been a hot topic in Packerland as well. Um, they're, they're not playing man coverage. They don't blitz. And I think you wrote there, they become ultra predictable. And we saw this yeah. all over the place against the Giants. I thought both Brian Dable and Wink use green base tendencies against them to a extremely, um, you know, well done way this past week and came away with a win, obviously against green Bay. Uh, but what have you seen from a predictability standpoint for the Packers? Yeah, right. You, you brought up the point where they don't blitz. Right. And then you go to a lot of these like blitz metrics, like, yeah, the Packers are third and blitzing. Well, no, they aren't. They line five dudes up on the line and then they can't drop any of them. Right. Most of the teams in the league, who play bare fronts, right? You're talking about five down fronts. Philadelphia does this. Carolina does this. Detroit does this too. And even they, like, they don't have the best guys to drop, but at least some of those edge rushers, Hassan Reddick in Philadelphia, Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu in, in Carolina, are guys who you can drop into coverage and be okay, right? We might say they're above the Preston Smith line of dropping into coverage because when the Packers go to drop a guy, Gary never drops. It's always Smith. And he's dropping, I want to say, like seven, eight percent of his, his, uh, his, past snaps this year and it's just never never gone well there was the famous drop eight in the playoffs against the Niners where he was dropped he was dropped against Jefferson a couple times in week one like it they don't have the outside linebacker body type that is sufficient to drop into coverage so they just end up rushing all five and it's funny because okay we don't have the body type to drop into coverage but they're really big outside linebackers we're going to be really good against the run and they're not so you didn't even get the, the juice that would have made the squeeze worth it. You didn't even get the positive that would have helped erase the negative because they're still soft on the edges because of the way that Smith and Gary play. So, okay, we put five down the line and we rush five. We're never dropping anybody. So you don't have to check your work. You don't have to make sure, okay, is there, is, are they rotating the coverage? Is one of these outside linebackers dropping into the slant window? He's not doing it. And because Eric Stokes and, and, and Jair and Rasul are eight yards off the lines, they're trying to play this world where like, oh, are we playing quarters? Are we playing cover three? They have to be off the ball to do that. Okay, I don't have a linebacker dropping into the, the curl window or the slant window and the corner's off. It's open. 
It's open unless Quay Walker is never, ever wrong. Unless Devontra Campbell is always right. That's really a lot of stress to put on your linebackers. So once I have this, I have this like free access throw now. The passing game gets so much easier, right? I have the ability to get to second and four. I have the ability to go from third and three to first and 10. So I'm very confident that I have this throw. It just, it, 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 it's simple. And opposing offenses will always be able to find it and always be able to hammer it, right? It's not the sort of like match that like, oh, if they have a speed guy, they can do this. No, no, no. Like every offense can, can hit that if you're going to give it to them. So that predictability on defense with the five-man fronts and always rushing those five, it just gives you six dudes instead of seven dudes to solve problems on first and 10 in, in the back, in the, in, the, in the secondary, in the coverage. That's unacceptable is really the word for it. Like when I wrote about it, I was, I was kind of trying to dance around it. And I realized like, no, like it's, it's, this is not okay. You have to know that in a passing league, you cannot get away with doing this. At the very least, run a game, and they do sometimes, but not enough. You have yeah. to do something to create confusion here. It, it's so vanilla. And there was a part of me that at the beginning of the season, you know, obviously they, they get the loss to Minnesota ever. But like, I thought there was a piece of this where like Joe Barry was just kind of keeping things in his back pocket and being like, we can win against these teams without having to do a whole heck of a lot. And I'm going to keep things that I want to run against you know, Josh Allen, when we face the bills or like some of those things, but like, you're just not good enough right now to be able to do that. You've got to be, like you said, a lot more unpredictable and Brian Dable, like just went to town and, you know, you really uh, took to task Joe Barry in this defense last week. I thought another thing that you brought up that was really great was, and I've, I've said this very, like very similar, they're, they're not eating their vegetables on early downs. Like they're having some success on third downs when they can actually get there. But the first and second down defense isn't good enough where they're not the actually. The disparity ready. is unbelievable. Yeah, first and second. They're the best third down defense in the league and they don't try to get to third down. What are you doing? It's so, it, I, I, it's very peculiar and easily fixable. Get aggressive on first down. And then you can actually get to a third and eight and then that's where you're really strong. That's where your coverage stuff works. It's where you actually like, you know, put Quay on the line, put Devondra on the line, bluff some blitzes, get Rashawn on a one-on-one. He's such a good pass rusher. Like that works, but they, they're disinterested in doing the work on first down necessary to get to third and eight. They're just going to wait for you to get a holding call, wait for you to get an incomplete pass second and 10. They're not going to try. They're just going to kind of sit here and be inert. And that's, what's very frustrating is like this defense is often described as being passive, this Brandon Staley, Vic Fangio background, because it's split field, because it's light boxes. But it doesn't have to be. You can be confusing. You can have coverage rotations. Like when Barry was there with the Rams and Staley, they ran quarter, quarter, half a lot with the intention of being like, let's get cover two over a star receiver. Let's rotate a safe. Let's change the picture of the defense. We're going to rotate. And the Packers under Barry just do not seem interested in, in touching that button at all in terms of, of changing what they look like pre-snap with the hope that they're going to disrupt you into falling behind the sticks. They just wait for you to get a penalty. Wait for Kenny Clark to win a one-on-one. It's just, it's so patient and there's no need for it. it it's making the players do a lot of the heavy lifting. And I'm, I'm if I'm an offensive coordinator, like I'm not so certain from just a pure scheme standpoint, there's a team, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of bad defenses other but like just from a pure scheme standpoint and knowing what to expect, I'm feeling fairly confident that I know what's going to happen on the vast majority of plays. It's a lot of cover four, a lot of cover three, and it's just like you said that there's there's not players dropping into zones. There's not corners coming. There's not safeties coming. There's no DB. I think that you pointed out like that has more than four rushes on the season. Like yeah. you, you just know what to expect, and you just can't be that predictable. And then I loved your comment. The solution is to grow up and get creative. And you've sort of made references to this already, ready. But I love that they they just have to. They they can't do the same thing over and over. There has to be an evolution at some point. 
Yeah, if you're if you if your solution is like, well, we just need Devondre to be better and Quay to be better and Gary to be better and yeah. Rasul to be better, better. It's like, okay, like sure, because you've seen Sewell play better than this, you've seen Devondre play better than this. The other first round linebacker, Devin Lloyd, is playing better than this. So like, yeah, but also like, okay, then you're better at masking the problems that the scheme is creating, right? You're just like your Great players are solving more issues for you from one o'clock to four o'clock on Sunday. What are you doing Monday to Saturday? There's, there is meat on this bone in terms of, of, of defensive scheme stuff. And what's really frustrating is one, the meat on the bone is similar to the Mike Patton meat on the bone, which like this was supposed to solve the Patton problem. You know, it's like the, we wanted to get out of that world and we're still there. And then number two, it's not like you hired a first time DC. You thought it like, came up under Staley and like could do something creative. No, you saw Joe Barry coordinate defense. You saw him do it in your division with the Lions. And he did it in Washington. Barry's defenses were never above average. And it was a nice thing to believe that a couple years with Sean McVay, assistant head coach of the Rams, hang out with Wade Phillips and Brandon Staley was going to change things. But you you made this bet, and I got to lie in it a little bit. Because Barry has yet to prove that he can be an above average defensive coordinator in the league. There's just no evidence of that. It's a, You don't want to say it about a guy, but that's the long and the short of it. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's Liquid Death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors, Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I agree. And I think Ross Uglin put it best. I think he said something on Twitter to the extent of like, if you hire Joe Barry and Joe Barry walks through the door, that's not Joe Barry's fault. Like, yeah. That's like, what, what is Joe your Barry's expect? cashing a check, baby. He's just, exactly. he's making money. Good, good for him. Oh, super frustrating. Let, we we got to jump over to the offense though. Uh, so I think you make a great point that obviously losing Devontae Adams, losing MBS is extremely hurting this offense. And I think the best way you put it is that the field is shrinking in on Aaron Rodgers and they're trying to expand it. They're trying to hit some of these deep shots, but they're very low percentage plays. Defensive coordinators aren't really super concerned about getting beat by it. And it's just making everything so much more difficult up front. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we lost Devonte and we lost MBS, right? Because Devonte was so important, it's it's so easy to forget that they lost MBS. Yep. Like I saw MBS playing in the Monday night game. And I was like, oh, that's where he used to be there. Right. That was important. Because you had not only the, the stress of Devontae lined up on the outside. Okay, if we go one-on-one with that dude, we're probably going to lose. We need a solution to that issue in and of itself. You also had MVS where it's like, okay, if we go one-on-one on that guy, we feel all right. But he's going to run us around a little bit, right? If we lose a rep, we're not giving up a 13-yard deep comeback. We're giving up a 40-yard shot. So there's, yeah. there was a weight on defensive coordinators' minds in terms of the guys that were lined up outside of the numbers and their ability to get downfield. So, you know, uh, 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 Steven Ruiz, I, I mentioned previously, uh, was was just poking around Rogers' numbers. He was going through quarterbacks. And you could start to see that over the course of last year, or two years going to last year, the outside the numbers beyond the line of scrimmage throws started to tail off a little bit. Rogers getting old. Arm's going to start to go. And then this year, they've taken a bit of, a big step down. And that's some of the arm. The Jack Jones pick six. That ball used to be a lot faster than it was. And Rogers kind of threw him and was like, oh, <laughs> we, yeah. we used to zip that thing. That thing's not zipping the same way. Nope. But a lot of it is a loss to the receivers. And what's admirable is that the Packers understood that was going to be an issue and they tried to deal with it, right? Like beyond the drafting of Christian Watson, who's very clearly MBS part two, electric boogaloo, but also Romeo Dubs, who like was at Nevada, air raid, we're going to throw the ball down the field. Beyond that, they clearly walked out in week one with a plan to get both their backs on the field become very horizontal stretch, right? We're going to throw the ball into the flats behind the line of scrimmage, throw the ball into the flats, zero to five yards. We're going to stretch you out horizontally, and then we're going to be a yards after the catch team. And that can work for us. We, we can still pull you, not necessarily the 100 yards that the field is long, but the 53 and a third yards the field is wide. And that's going to give us the space we need to then throw intermediate middle, get the run after the catch with Cobb, get you know the Tunyon screens going. Like, this will this will work for us. And it, and it didn't. And that's the tough thing is like, they drafted Dylan in the second round. Jones is so good. Put both of them on the field. It should stress defenses out. And it's just, it just didn't work. There wasn't enough there in terms of, you know, your AJ Dylan targets weren't really paying off for you. Dylan just not enough in terms of making guys miss one-on-one in space. He's just such a contact seeker that yeah. it's not intuitive for him to take a flat, a, you know, a flare out with two blockers. Then here comes the safety and like, okay, got to slip past the guy. And I just wants to hit him. Like, it's just what he knows, you know? So that, that the yak on the Dylan targets isn't returning a lot. The Jones targets like is from an EPA perspective, like Jones been a great receiver, but because all this stuff is developing behind the line, it's like, all right, the really good players are the ones that end with eight yards. 
ah, we need to get more explosive. We need to find room down the field. LaFleur knows it. They're scheming up, you know, man coverage, go, slot fades. You know, like we got, this is what we need. Rodgers knows it. The second he sees it, he wants to hit it. They've, in terms of throws beyond the line of scrimmage, outside of the numbers, he's completed throws to Lazard and to Cobb. Ah, where's Dubs? Where's Watson? They haven't, they haven't found the connection. And like the, the Patriots drop touchdown from Dobbs was so close to just like, there it is. We got one. And yep. then he hits the ground and it's out. And it's, oh, it's so close. Offensively, I think they're going to be fine. Rodgers is too talented. LaFleur's too talented. The line is good, especially if like Bakhtiari's back and they can move Jenkins into guard, which probably needs to happen. Like there's enough that they can do there that like the offense, which is currently above average DVOA, above average EPA per play. I think it'll be okay, but you are in a condensed space. It's not like the defense where everything feels dumb. Like this, we should be able to solve this. The offense is like, everything feels tight. It's condensed. Just the margins for error are so much smaller than there were. There's no more, oh, third and eight, press the big red Devontae Adams back shoulder button. It's just not there anymore. So your margins for error are a lot smaller. They'll probably still be okay. Uh, you know, bell cow Aaron Jones is going to solve a lot of problems for them. Pre-snap Aaron Rodgers is going to solve a lot of problems for them. They'll be all right. But when you lose Devontae and you lose MVS, things get tight, things get trickier, and it becomes a harder to be that MVP caliber offense you were the last couple of years. Yeah, they're going through clearly a transition offensively. When you've just got like a literal cheat code uh, on the side of the field with Devontae, you can get open against any coverage and you can go to him like in, in case of emergency break glass sort of situation and he's just going to figure it out. Um, that makes things relatively easy. And, and you pointed out in the article too, of a lot of things that they did to get into to solid situations where then like they can get Adams on those plays, but with no MVS on the outside, with no Adam, like MVS opening up the middle of the field and then Adams having to constantly be aware, a lot of times safety over the top, double coverage, et cetera. It just makes everything so much more complicated and so much more difficult. I thought there were opportunities for Romeo Dobbs deep this past week. Um, he, you know, he shows that he can win. It's not necessarily consistently enough. As you mentioned, he had the drop against the Patriots in the end zone. But you look at this offense so far, every one of their touchdowns is like, it's like eight to 10 play drives. There's no explosive, like everything. And I mentioned this even going back to last year when they had Devontae and MVS. So many of their touchdown drives were 12 plays, 15 plays, 11 plays, and it was just a grind. And now you're seeing that even more without those two playmakers. And it just feels like even if you want to be a horizontal team, and even if you want to be able to stretch the field that way, at some point, you've got to have a guy that can get the ball in their hands and take it to the, the length of the field. You've got to have some sort of explosive playmaker. Lazard's not that. Cobb's not that. Dobbs, yeah. you know, like there's pieces of it, but he's under, he's averaging under 10 yards per, per catch right now. Like, so that's not it. Watson hasn't developed in that. Dylan's not that. Jones can be, but you've got to actually get him the football, which has been an issue at times too. So there's a lot of questions that they have to answer right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd like them to get Jones on more vertical stuff outside of the backfield. A lot of his route tree is just like flat stuff. And I think that there's ways you can get running back wheels or running back rail like up the seam and just, yep. just get some cheesy ways to get him some downfield catches because like that might be the bottom of the barrel, but it's a little bit where you are. I think they'll, I think you'll feel good about Dobbs ability to stretch the field and to catch downfield stuff by like week nine. Like it's Agreed. almost there. And you're just really hoping you can get it off the ground before the schedule becomes tough. But I think they can, like, I think I've seen enough from Dobbs preseason and regular season and like Rogers going back to him after the drop that I think Rogers is invested enough in what he's seen from him. And Dobbs is sure enough for the coaching staff that he's going to get there. Watson, I'm not so sure, but Dobbs cool. Great. The key point that you bring up there is right. Like, you want to be a horizontal stretch team. Let's look at the past horizontal stretch teams. Like let's talk about 
you know, people have brought up the Niners and like the, the Shanahan influence on the floor. And can we bring more of like under center play action, you know, point and shoot Aaron Rodgers, just kind of like quarterback in the offense, like a point guard. Yeah, you could do that. Like I I'm, I'm fairly certain that that's achievable. There's two issues. One, you got to convince Rodgers to do it, which just like, apropos of nothing convincing Rodgers is a challenge that the Packers have been dealing with for years. Like Rodgers has to be on board with things that's been very well established by Aaron Rodgers. Now. So number one, he's got to be on board with it. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't. I don't know. Number two is okay. Well, the way the Niners build it is that every single player who might catch the ball in their horizontal stretch stuff can break three tackles, right? Like Jawan Jennings wide receiver three took a hit, like a like point blank range from uh, some Carolina defender. I don't remember who it was. And the guy just bounced off him. And Juwan just turns up field and starts trucking. Like Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Yushik. They all are so good after the catch. That's the way they built it. They knew they needed to be this because they knew what Jimmy was. That's not the way the Packers have built it. That, that If you're like, all right, we're going to live in a yak world. We're going to live in horizontal stretch, quick game, throw over the middle, intermediate play action. And those targets are going to Lazard and Cobb. It's not going to work as well as it did for the 2017 Rams, as it did for the recent Niners, because those aren't yak bodies. What bodies are they? Cobb is like isolation routes, right? Lazard is like block, 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 deep shot. And that's what they're they're trying to use those guys as right now. So you can try to shoehorn them in. I'm not sure you're going to get it. It'd be nice if like Christian Watson could be that. I'm not sure you're going to get that this season. So you have to fill in the gap some other way. And that's where like the Dobbs development becomes really important. The can we get Jones targets further downfield thing becomes really important because you're trying to live in a yak world and, and it's Lazard and Cobbs, you're starting receivers. You're going to be disappointed in the, in the return on that investment. Yeah. And Sammy Watkins isn't solving that problem either when he comes back, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, well, well, let's end with this. Well, a, I will say that I, I think there is, there's a piece of this offensively that reminds me of when Jordy went down with his ACL and they just didn't have the playmakers on the outside and teams condensed the field and played a lot of single high press man, made sure they couldn't run the ball. There's, there's a piece of that that reminds me of this. And that was a very difficult transition for, for McCarthy and Rogers at that point. Um, but you, you've mentioned Dobbs, you've mentioned some of the things, are, are there solutions available for, for the Packers in, and I'll let you go in any direction, offensively, defensively to become the team that maybe a lot of people expected them to be at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I think that a lot of it is conditional on, on Rogers and the way that he plays. Some of the deep shots are good. Some of them are just kind of like frustration heaves. We got to get rid of the, the heaves and stick more with the good stuff. I think Dobbs is going to get better week over week. I, I believe that having watched him and, 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 and seen him play. So I think that offensively, like I said, I think they're going to be fine. I think that you're going to start to see more Aaron Jones, 15, 18, 20 carry games. I think you're going to see more, you know, of the Dobbs downfield targets. The ADOT's going to go up. The RS for reception is going to go up, get Sammy back. And I think you're, you're, you're fine. Their screen game, their RPO game is always going to be great. That's going to work for as long as LaFleur is there and Rogers is flicking that thing. Like they're, they're going to be okay. If they want to jump from where they are now, which is like, Good enough team in the NFC to probably make the playoffs. Oh, shoot, are the Vikings going to win the division? Can we even beat anybody in the playoffs sort of a team? To, oh, yeah, Packers. Packers are maybe the number one seed in the NFC. Packers might make a run. It's the defensive improvements that have to take place. That's where the biggest return on investment is. Uh, I was one of the many who came into the season were like, yeah, this is a chance to be the best events. Because you just look at the depth chart. Holy yeah. smokes. They just got horses. Like, There's no reason it shouldn't be. And that, to me, is a difficult conversation between Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry where it's like, Hey, fix it. You know, what you're doing isn't working and you got to do something different. And there's a, as I talked about this in the piece a little bit, there's a humility there. That's the tough thing to come by. Why don't coaches just run the right stuff? Cause you have to admit the stuff you've been doing is wrong. It's a lot easier to say the players aren't executing. 
Oh, why don't you guys know how to exchange this route? First thing is you coach us poorly. Secondly, we don't need to be here. We don't need to be in this world. There's a better world to be in. And that requires the coach changing the direction of the ship, pre admitting previously that he was wrong. It's a hard thing for coaches to do. It's a hard thing for all of us to do, but especially coaches. We're at the highest level of their profession, a competitive profession. And they're they're going to be self-confident guys to say the very least. So if the backers are going to jump in terms of like power rankings, in terms of like not needing overtime to beat Bailey Zappi and then losing to Daniel Jones in London, the, I think the offense can go from like 14th to 9th, 14th to 8th, but you're going to be limited because you lost Devontae and, and, and all that. Yeah. It's the defense that should be able to go from being below average to like a legitimate top 10 team. And defense is volatile. Like defense does change fast. And so if you can get things correct, both in terms of your coaching and your execution, and then also in terms of your schemes and how you run them, there's a lot that this defense can do to making the, the Packers a much better team. So that's the side of the ball that I'm more interested in watching the arc of over the, the next few months. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think everyone you know, in Packerland has is, is realized that if, if this team wants to be a super successful team, there's a, there's a ways for the offense to click and have success, but um, it, it's up to the defense. The defense probably has to be great, at least very close to great, if they want to ultimately be a legitimate contender come January. Ben, cannot thank you enough for taking the time today. Plug the article one more time and tell us where we can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. So Ringer NFL is, is the article, uh, is, as uh, as Andy said, scheme, talent, no, yes, kind of that's the thing you Google and you'll find it. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, Solak's S-O-L-A-K, Ringer NFL show. We're out here having a good time. Guys, make sure to follow Ben. Make sure to check out the article. If you think some of the stuff that we went over today um, is like the encompasses the article, it doesn't. It's just like the tip of the iceberg. Ben has stuff in there that you're going to want to sink your teeth into because it tells the full story. But uh, super appreciative of the conversation today, Ben. Again, make sure to follow him on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Again, at Benjamin Solak. That does it for us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.